Welcome to the Shanna Plan. This is episode 25. I am joined by Akash. Akash, we spoke about quarterbacks a lot last week. We spoke about a specific quarterback. That specific quarterback, we will see a lot, but we will not see that specific quarterback in the Bay Area. We have moved on to a new quarterback and more rumors, and we're going to talk about a new, new quarterback today. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good, KP. You know, Matt Stafford's not even that good. You know, it was whatever, average player at best. Like, he's always hurt. He's at, he's 33, over the hill. He's got back issues. Like, yeah, whatever. Whatever. This is, <laughs> this is the part This is the part where, you know, you cope and you act like you never really wanted the player. You act like he's not even that good. And then you, you definitely act like the destination where he's going, he won't be that good. So, unfortunately, we are going to have – to eat those words if Stafford is good. I'm just fascinated to see how he elevates that offense. I think he is going to take them to a completely different planet as far as what they're able to do. I also feel like what we learned about the 49ers and the Rams in these past two years, we have to unlearn all of that because what Stafford can do is not the same as what Jared Goff can do. What the 49ers defense was able to do against Jared Goff will not be the same as what they're able to do against Matthew Stafford in the most simplest terms. That's how I feel about that. Still, not. I think the Rams, I always felt like the Rams are better than people give them credit for just because they, people see the 49ers beat up on little brother and then they think the Rams aren't very good. But I, I think the 49ers and Rams are probably two of the better teams in the NFC. Uh, where do you think, just quick, the only Stafford take will – the only time we'll talk about Stafford here is how does that elevate the Rams compared to the NFC and the 40 with the 49ers in the NFC? Yeah. I mean, obviously it's really hard to tell right now Uh, in a vacuum. Yes. Matt Stafford, better player than Jared Goff. He's going to do things for that offense that Sean McVay wasn't able to do just because of Stafford's arm talent. But that being said, the Rams currently sit, I think, 30 or 40 million over the salary cap, depending on where it lands for the next season. They have a ton of defensive free agents. So there's a lot of question marks about how their roster is going to look just outside of Stafford. In a vacuum, their offense is going to be better, but how they stack up as a team really depends on how they build out the remainder of that group. And so um, it'll come down to that. But props to the Rams for making an aggressive move. They knew they needed to upgrade. They overpaid, in my opinion, but they said, whatever, screw that. We're going to go get the player we want. And, you know, I always appreciate aggressive, bold people going ahead and, and doing that. Wow, Akash subtweeting the 49ers live on the podcast. Good for you. I <laughs> don't mind it either. I think he is quarterback, man. If if you feel like this quarterback can take you to another level, you do whatever it takes to get him, especially if you can shed one of the worst possible contracts in the NFL. That's a no-brainer. And, um it might, it really might be worth a first round pick as far as that contract goes. All right, moving on. Robert Sala on Tuesday hired Tony Odin, who the 49ers hired last February in 2020 to be their pass game specialist slash defensive backs coach. Odin joins a list of, it feels like every possible coach, but Mike LaFleur, John Bitten, Tony Odin, as we mentioned, Aaron White Cotton, Mike Ruttenberg will all join Sala. On the, with the Jets, let me ask you this. How many free agents over under three of the 49ers free agents land with the Jets this offseason? Ooh, you really tested me there. Uh, I'm probably going to go over 
just because I think the Jets have a ton of cap space. Uh, the Niners have a lot of defensive free agents that really like and respect Salah. And big market, New York, I think I think I could see more than three free agents going. We already talked about Kwan Williams. He's from New Jersey. Richard Sherman already kind of hinted at him going there. Um, some that, other guys. Real quick, that wasn't really a hint. That was him kind of telling us what's going to happen. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Um, some other guys I could po- possibly see, maybe Kendrick Bourne, maybe a Kyle Juszczyk, um, maybe a Kwasi Tart if he doesn't come back. I could see a bunch of these guys going. So three, if you're going to set the line at three, I- I'd take the over. What about you? Yeah, I would say the over too. What I'm curious about is – what happens if they say we're going to draft a quarterback? What happens if they say we're going to keep Darnold? Does that like who? What is Solid telling these guys behind closed doors? Is he telling him, "Hey man, if you sign with me, we're going to get Watson"? Come on, Kendrick Bourne. If you sign with me, your life's going to be so much easier as a DB. We're going to have the lead. Like, is that going to be his selling point, or is he going to have to say, "Oh, we're going to have to draft a number two. It might be Fields. It might be Wilson. Who knows? We might have Darnold." So I feel like that would have a big decision in you know how how the free agents decide where they want to go as well. Today is February 2nd, 2021. A year ago, the 49ers played in a football game. That football game went as planned up until about five minutes to go when Murphy's Law pretty much happened. But I rewatched the game this past Saturday for the first time, and I think we have ignored a lot of what happened in that game, specifically, you know, just on offense. And and it's not all Jimmy Garoppolo, who's going to get the brunt of the blame because he is a quarterback, and that's just how this sport works. But my takeaway from watching the Super Bowl was the 49ers just did not really look composed. They didn't look like they knew what they were doing. They looked more like chickens with their heads cut off out there. They looked more like a team that hadn't practiced, a team that wasn't fresh off of a dominant NFC championship performance, that wasn't fresh off of a wild card performance that did not just win the division title in week 17 and did not come back against the Rams the week prior. The offense was just brutal, man. They didn't execute. They just, for whatever reason, receivers were on the weren't on the same page and you know, Jimmy wasn't great with his reads, didn't know where to go with the football. And the defense had to do a lot of heavy lifting. And by the time it came for them to get a stop, it was, you know, just too little, too late. And Patrick Mahomes went full Patrick Mahomes at God level, God mode. So it was tough to watch. I'm not going to lie. It was, uh, <laughs> you know, what's going to happen, but you're still sort of surprised. Like, wow, he missed that block. Wow. He missed that throw. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Well, NFL Network aired, re-aired the Super Bowl on Monday night. You had a chance to watch it. What were some of your thoughts watching that lovely game? Yeah, I, I've so I've seen it before. I saw it like maybe a couple weeks after the Super Bowl just because I feel like when you watch the Super Bowl, you're a little bit more emotionally invested. Maybe you have an alcoholic beverage. Or and, four. Or, or four. Or four. <laughs> And so you really, you know, the Super Bowl ends and you remember the key plays, but then you you don't really remember exactly how the game went. So you're like, okay, let me watch this when I'm sober, when I'm really just dialed in, and I know what the result is so I can just watch all these things happen. And in the first half, you're right, man. The offense and just their execution in general was just off. You know, they had a good opening drive, and that's when they had the Debo, you know, reverse plays that got them a lot of chunk yards. And then the next drive, and we don't talk about this enough, Jimmy Garoppolo's interception. 
And yes, Mike Person missed a block. It was horrible. He gets beat like, you know, immediately. He does like the Ole. But Jimmy Garoppolo just like throws the ball up. Like stuff you just cannot do in a Super Bowl when you're playing the Chiefs and you cannot afford to give them extra possessions. And he just throws it up. There wasn't even a receiver in the area. The DB was like catching a punt. And Kyle and I talked about this before we hit record. You can see Kyle Shanahan in like the all 22 view in the corner doing his, you know, temper temper tantrum that he's been so famously known to do this season. And you can see how just frustrated he is because he knows how good the Chiefs offense is. And you cannot give them the ball on a short field when, you know, the margins are that thin. And I feel like we just don't forget about that. We always talk about the third and 16 throw to Emmanuel Sanders or the missed throws to Kittle on third down in the fourth quarter. But that interception is massive just because you're just giving them a possession early on in the half. And, and then the next drive, I think they come back and they run the ball really well, actually. I think they ran it like five or six straight times and they were able to get a couple layup throws for Jimmy and score a touchdown. And, uh, Garoppolo had that hell of a throw down the sideline to Kittle, probably his best throw ever. Um, gets called back, which is ironic. Um, and then you realize you're watching one of like the greatest quarterbacks you've ever seen, like in terms of just raw talent in the homes and just what they were able to overcome in terms of like poor offensive line play, the 49ers defense, which was freaking phenomenal. Nick Bosa was a madman. Their team speed was outrageous. I mean, that 2019 defense and just roster in general was so, so, so good to expect Nick Bosa to come back and Jimmy Garoppolo to come back and just to repeat what you did in 2019 is a really, really big ask. And that's why I think the 49ers realize that a quarterback upgrade makes sense and why they their offense has to pick up for what their defense isn't going to be able to bring this next season, but... It pains when you watch how good they were and that they were that close. They were eight minutes away, up 10, and I had the picture today where they're all in the end zone after that. <laughs> and they, they just couldn't close the door. And when you're that close in football and these one-game tournaments, I don't know how you live that down, especially if you're someone like Kyle Shanahan or whatever. There's no chance he's lived that down, and he's probably not going to live that down anytime soon. So I'm glad you brought that up about the defense, and we've said it many times. I've said it many times. I feel like I say it in every article I write on Niners Nation. I'm not going to stop saying that. That 2019 defense is not coming back. They're just – they were as close to perfect as far as execution, as far as team speed, as far as tackling – just as far as knowing what to do and confusing you, they played about as perfect as possible against Mahomes. That's why the score is like that. To think that they'd be able to have that same success again is just so naive. But uh, going back to the first half of that game, that interception, it was brutal. Jimmy has to throw that ball 10 rows into the stands or he has to throw that or just hold on to the ball. Yeah, just take a sack, man. Every possession has to end in a, a kick. So whether that is you kicking an extra point, you punting the ball, you kicking a field goal, whatever, especially, especially against the Chiefs, you cannot afford to turn the ball over like that. Yeah, it it felt like a don't hit me, don't hit me type of throw. But even aside from that interception earlier in the game, there was a third down where the Chiefs doubled Kittle. Jimmy is still throwing the ball to Kittle. Yeah, he overshot him in the red zone. It was third and five on that. You have... 
Emmanuel Sanders on the outside running one-on-one a curl beats his man by three yards. I'm not exaggerating. Like he has so much separation and the reads before the snap should tell you where to go with the ball. And throughout the game, you saw that. And that's where I have the issues with, with Jimmy on the field where he just doesn't really know where to go with the ball. And and that was the issue. So, and I I don't want to, you know, continue to take a dump on him because George Kittle missed the block. (laughs) Kittle missed the block. That was critical in that. Um, It was early in the, I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was a screen block. And there were times where Debo and Kendrick Bourne were running the wrong routes. So the execution on offense compared to the execution on defense, just night and day. And they were very fortunate for that game to even be as close because they had ample opportunity to put the Chiefs away. And they never did. And the result is the result because of it. So turning the page, uh, I know you're probably tired of hearing about the Super Bowl, but this is the anniversary we are going to dive back into some rumors, baby, because Vincent Bonsignor. Wait, how do you say his last name? Uh, Bonsignore. 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 I think yeah, that's right. Bonsignore. Derek Carr. He is the Las Vegas Raiders quarterback. And our buddy, Vincent, who is a reporter from Vegas Nation, he is reporting for the Las Vegas Review Journal said on Tuesday evening that multiple sources have indicated that Derek Carr is a hot commodity and is expected that multiple teams will pursue him via trade. That could lead to the Raiders pursuing Deshaun Watson in a blockbuster trade. Instantly, you have to ask, is Derek Carr an upgrade from Jimmy Garoppolo? But you also have to factor in a few different things, mainly his salary. So what is Derek Carr making? Is he worth an upgrade? And then what is it going to cost you to acquire Derek Carr? So looking at Carr's contract on overthecap.com, he is under contract for both 2021 and 2022. His cap number, as it stands right now, first of all, no guaranteed salary in these final two years. His cap number is $22 million in 2021 and is actually only $19 million in 2022 i'm i'm not sure how that will work if traded but as it's just on the face of that contract he's going to be cheaper than jimmy garoppolo uh, what do you feel like about Derek carr do you think the 49ers will make a call or make an offer yeah i think they're making a call on like every quarterback that is rumored to be available or might be available and that's why you see like all these internet rumors tossed around right i, I don't think they're just randomly made up um yeah it i mean the quarterback may not be available or whatever but the niners are calling and they're asking like hey can i get this player for a certain pick or whatever but back to Derek carr so vincent bonsignore i think he's really tight he's tight with uh the raiders front office so this isn't just smoke um or leverage or any of that i think it's i think it's legitimate so you know if if the raiders were to move on from Derek carr I would expect the 49ers to be one of the teams to be interested again. I presume it will be very similar to their Matt Stafford uh, pursuit where they set a price, they have a value in mind, and they will not participate in the bidding war, which typically happens when there's a quarterback available. Uh, Derek Carr is going to be cheaper than Jimmy Garoppolo. He's only going to make, I think, 19 or $20 million the next two seasons um, when he's traded, if he's traded to the 49ers. Second, he's been healthy. 
uh, healthier than Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't remember how many games he's missed, but it's a lot less than Garoppolo. When he's missed he, three games since 2015. See, that's why that's why we do the show together. You just complete me. <laughs> um, you look at his efficiency stats. He's fourth in the, over the last two seasons, 2019 and 2020. He's fourth in EPA and CPOE composite behind Ryan Tannehill, Patrick Mahomes, and Aaron Rodgers. Really, really good company to be in. Um, he's, I think, in the top 10 of success rate, and he is in the top eight of CPOE. So efficiency stats over the last two years, he's been right there. And now you look at his intangibles, just his arm talent, better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Mobility, better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, why wouldn't you call him on and see what you can trade to acquire that type of a player? Like, it just does, you know. I, yeah, I, I think would, the question is going to, and you made a, a good point here as far as getting into a bitty war. That's just not what the team is going to do. They've proven that. And especially, I, I, I imagine when it comes down to the quarterback, when they're not desperate enough to move on from Jimmy to where they're not going to offer, you know, there's going to be a team, I imagine. Like, why, if you're the Colts, why wouldn't you put your first round pick to the Raiders for Derek Carr? So. I would imagine them doing that, whereas the Niners might offer their second and maybe like a, a, you know, that third round comp pick next year, perhaps, which would make sense. But the bidding war would be the only holdup, I imagine, because across the board, just think about what we saw, especially from Carr this year. He's very good throwing the ball down the field. And I feel like that was some of his biggest issues coming into this year. And he kind of let let loose this year. So looking at some of his stats. He threw the ball 56 times down the field, completed 24 of those passes. I don't know if the 49ers have thrown the ball over 20 yards that many times in the past year and a half or so. So just looking at that from that standpoint, your offense opens up. But I mean, Carr just feels like he's under control. And and I remember this past season, remember that Monday? I, I don't know if it was Monday night. I think it was Sunday night against the Chiefs where he just he's he like MVP like, level. Yeah. yeah. So you know he's capable of doing that, and you know he could do that without, you know, you have to manufacture offense or generate, you know, plays for him that are wide open. So Carr is a better player, but the bidding war, man, it's always going to come down to that. And because of the bidding war, I'm not so sure that the 49ers will win that battle. Um, I, I imagine, you know, Indianapolis would be a fit. Washington, who needs a quarterback, would be a fit. And another thing I thought of, right, the Niners, they draft so high in every round. So they're drafting 12th, 43rd, whatever. That's a way more valuable asset than where Indy and Washington's drafting, which are in the 20s, and then it just shifts back, right? So I'd be more comfortable giving something in the 20s or the 60s versus something like at 12 or 43. So that makes this equation a lot harder. I think if I'm the 49ers and I'm John Lynch – the front office making decisions. I'm trying to unload future picks if I am going to upgrade at quarterback because you you're going to assume that you're just not picking at 12 next year. So if anything does happen, the hope is that it's a for a future pick and not this year. Because if they can keep some of the picks this year, you know, while adding a player, that would go a long way as far as the 49ers, you know, being able to get back to that 2019 level because assuming that it's going to happen, as we said, isn't going to happen. The goal is to get as close as possible. So we're going to take a break here. We're going to go through every position when we get back and name one player that we feel like might be an upgrade. 
All right, we are back. And before we get into the free agent list that we feel could be a potential upgrade, I want to tell everybody to go to 49ers.com backslash fans backslash escape. We have a promo code for you to use. This is a game. Our producer, Rob, has played it. He is actually addicted and has not done his job during the past, during the past two weeks, during the past two days, sorry, because he's been playing this game so much. The promo code is FAITHFUL, all caps, F-A-I-T-H-F-U-L, and you can get 20% off of this game. All right, so we are going to talk about the free agents, and Jimmy Garoppolo is not a free agent. However, as you know, the team has been making phone calls, quote unquote, or looking around to see who is a potential upgrade at the position. Akash, do you feel like there is an upgrade available on the market for the 49ers at quarterback? As a free agent, uh, I'm going to say no. I don't think there's a straight upgrade necessarily. Um, I think there are players that are older that you could – get for cheaper that maybe give you a certain amount of his production, but I don't think there's anyone that's clearly better on the market um, unless you count Dak Prescott, but I just think he's going to get franchise tagged and he's going to be there at least one more season. Maybe if we were having this conversation next year um, and Dak is truly a free agent, then maybe it'd be different, but just given the season, I think there's no straight free agent. Uh, that's a direct improvement. Uh, do you have anybody? So, I mean, I'm in, I'm in pretty much the same boat. So Ryan Fitzpatrick is intriguing because of what we saw him do against the 49ers and not just the 49ers. He played particularly well this season before he was benched for Tiny Tua. Um, I think the question shouldn't be, is Ryan Fitzpatrick better than Jimmy Garoppolo? The question should be, is Ryan Fitzpatrick on a one-year, $10 million deal better than Jimmy's you know, $26, $27 million that he's going to make this season? So we, as we mentioned, we saw what he did firsthand. And yes, it came against a six-string cornerback. But what we saw Fitzpatrick do is make the 49ers defense defend the entire field. And he's done that. He did that all year. He's done that all his career. The issue is I'm not so sure that Fitzpatrick is the type of quarterback that Shanahan would want because – his turnovers come in bunches and he is very prone to turning the ball over. And I just don't know if, if, you know, that would be worth moving on for you. I do feel like there is some merit to not having a, you know, $20 million bridge QB and that, and it always comes back to his contract and, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's availability matters as well, but contract, availability is that worth it so it's it's a question mark because it's not a slam dunk I don't think it's fair to say that he would be an upgrade over Jimmy G uh, moving on to running back so Raheem Mostert he's coming back Jeff Wilson the team signed him so those are probably your two top running backs I think it's probably safe to assume that the team will sign you know a running back not in free agency probably sign him after the draft and undraft free agency but Kyle you check is a fullback and he is a free agent. I don't, I'm not going to pretend like I'm studying and watching fullbacks. I'm not going to pretend like there is a fullback out there that's better than juice. So the answer is no, but at the same time, it goes back to money. Can you get the same production out of a fullback who signs for three years, $6 million, as opposed to juice checks, uh, four year, $18 million, whatever he would make it. What do you, how do you feel about that? Yeah, first, a couple questions, right? 
A, so we know Kyle Shanahan loves the fullback because of the angles it creates in the run game. And that's that's a variation from, you know, Sean McVay or Matt LaFleur. Those guys approach it differently. So does Kyle Shanahan continue to do that? Does he continue to utilize the fullback or does he utilize more two tight end? That would be my first question. Is there some philosoph- philosophical shift? I'm going to say no. Um, and then second, what, do the, what does the team think of Josh Hoken? Right, they drafted this guy, or they signed him as an undrafted free agent last season. Do they think he's developed and ready to roll, where they don't need to spend valuable capital? Because you look at the free agent fullbacks list, and the only name that even stands out is like Anthony Sherman, who's the fullback for the Chiefs, and then the rest of the names aren't that. Um, they just don't pop like Kyle Ushak does. Um, so that that would those would be my two questions. Um, and obviously, it's it's just it's a money thing, right? Uh, can they afford to bring back Juszczyk at the current price, let alone paying him more than what he's making right now? I don't think so. So I think they go to the draft, or I think maybe they use Hokit, or they figure something else out is, is how I think it ends. So, no, there wasn't a direct upgrade in free agency to answer your question. Uh, how, how, how do you feel about this whole Juszczyk situation? Yeah, I think it's a good point because with – with Juice on the field, they're, they're clearly a better team. There's no yeah. debating that. And Kyle has spoken about the value of a fullback and how he can dictate what defenses do. And that matters for how he calls plays and how he sets up the play action off of his wide zone and just his scheme in general. The question is, why would you not be able to get that same type of production from a cheaper fullback? I don't see why you wouldn't be able to there. It's not like juice is making, you know, first of all, he, he does make plays and I want to like, he does execute some very difficult blocks and they ask him to do a lot of difficult things. So it does matter what they, how they feel about Hoke. It it does matter if they feel like maybe Charlie Warner can give them that type of um, production. If maybe even Ross Dwelly at times in a pinch can do the same thing. So all of those have to be factored in when you're talking about paying a fullback the type of money that they're prepared to pay him, especially knowing where the salary cap's going to go this offseason. So it's not just like a one-on-one type of question here. So there's a lot going in here. Moving on to receiver. So Kendrick Bourne, unrestricted free agent. I imagine the hope is, you know, Jalen Hurd, just the legend of Jalen Hurd is finally unleashed and we get to see what he can do. But it's not safe to just assume that he's going to be able to step in and that's your wide receiver three. So do you have an upgrade in free agency that is like plausible? Of course, Allen Robinson, like you can't just throw that out there. Godwin? <laughs> yeah. Like it's yes. The, yes. Chris Godwin yes. is better than Kendrick Bourne. Well done, Akash. But is there, it, would he fit under the salary capper under the structure of what the 49ers are trying to do this off season and what we're, is what the answer um yeah so first off I do think Kendrick Bourne doesn't come back I've thought this now for a while ah yeah um I just think he's a good enough player where if he were to leave he could find slightly more money elsewhere especially considering how many Shanahan style offenses are now the Jets who have a bunch of they're like 49ers east basically so I, I could see him leaving for slightly more money and greener pastures elsewhere. So I think I think I do think he's gone. So if we're talking about an upgrade, a plausible name that's been tossed around, and someone I think I would just enjoy watching is Curtis Samuel in this offense. 
because you can never have enough Samuels in this offense. And I just think the versatility that he brings, um, and especially what he did this past season with uh, Carolina, um, I, I, a lot of people point to his A dot this year, and it was, I think, slightly over six. But last season, and I think that's more Teddy Bridgewater related, last season, I think it was in the double digits, it was like 15. So he was a valuable deep threat for that op- offense, along with all the other stuff he did kind of as a running back and what he gives you in the running game. So having enough, having more of those like dual threat guys in a Kyle Shanahan scheme, I think fits. He might be a little pricey, but I think he's kind of worth the overpay. That's the name that I had written down because there's, I'm not sure that there's a better free agent fit for the money that you're going to pay than Curtis Samuel, because first of all, there you can never have enough Samuels is Rob loved that. And as a pun lover myself, I don't know, man, I have questions, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway, Curtis Samuel is a very good player and what he would do for Kyle Shannon, who feels like he's been looking for that quote unquote backfield threat. Curtis Samuel was essentially a running back for a good portion of this season. He rushed for, so he had plenty of carries, by the way, and they used him as a legit running back. He broke tackles like a running back. He actually had 125 yards after contact as a running back. So he had 689 yards through the air. So it's not like he is, he's not getting, you know, the receiving yards you want. I just feel like you'd be able to put Debo Samuel back as a actual receiver and be able to use Curtis Samuel on all those jet motions that they use. So uh, that'll be something that 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 would be something that Kyle Shanahan can use. And obviously you have Curtis Samuel as a mismatch out of the backfield as well. So um, I, I just, I've loved Curtis Samuel for a while. So maybe this is just bias coming through, but it, again, it would just be tough to find a better matchup or a better person than um, Curtis Samuel. So tight end 49ers have been looking for that tight end, that tight end too. I don't mind the idea of what they've done the past couple the past couple of drafts. You know, Caden Smith, Charlie Warner, and those, they're not the like athletic projects that you want to take a chance on. They're more blocking, but I really do like the idea of drafting, you know, a late round pass catcher if that is the goal. But I don't know if there's one in free agency like Jared Cook is like 52, but he's <laughs> he's gonna cost a lot of money. So I'm not so sure that you know that's something that they want to do. Is, is there any tight end that stands out to you in free agency? No, I think they should just bring the group back that they had um, and just throw Ross Burley the ball more maybe. I felt like he blocked too much. Maybe that was just because Kittle was hurt and he was on the field and that was what he was asked to do. But um, they don't run many two tight end sets to begin with. They run a lot of 21 personnel. Um, so I – I don't think it's necessarily a priority to go and try to upgrade over those two guys. That's fair. And, and Kittle is your tight end. That's what really matters. You're not, you, you don't, you shouldn't need yeah. a tight end too. If you have Kittle Debo and Brandon, Ayuk. that should be plenty to score a lot of points left tackle. We don't have to spend time on this because the question is, is there a better left tackle available than Trent Williams? The answer is no. There are probably not four better left tackles in the NFL than Trent Williams, so they're not going to be available on the market. But the 49ers do have a hole, not yet because Wesson Richburg is still under contract, but many people believe that he's going to be cut just for financial reasons and they need the cap space and they also need somebody who's going to actually play football games for them. So 
center and right guard are two question marks. And depending how you feel about Daniel Brunskill, we don't know how the team feels about him either. Uh, is there an interior lineman, we'll say, that you feel would, you know, help the 49ers from a cost-effective standpoint and be able to contribute right away? Yeah. So I think you're right about Richburg. Um, you know, when he, when he hurt his patella, a lot of people questioned, okay, is this player going to be back? And the 49ers' interior offensive line really fell off of a cliff after that point. Richburg was really a scheme fit. He was fantastic. They paid a lot of money for him in free agency. And I think Shanahan really, really values the center position. That being said, again, this is probably an overpay. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to afford him. I would go all in on Corey Lindsley. Um, I think he's 29 right now. All pro center, scheme fit, plays for the Packers under the floor right now. Not sure if the Packers are going to be able to afford him. I would just go spend that money and lock down your center position. A lot of people point to like right guard as the issue. I think if you can lock down the center, then naturally that position sort of solves itself because, you know, that entire side of the offensive line has just been like a rotating door. Like the center gets hurt, then they slide the right guard over, then the right guard gets hurt, and then it's a backup. And then people blame McGlinchey because he's the only one that's out there and his you know, partnership and communication with the guys next to him are constantly rotating, which is a difficulty, right? So if you lock down center, then you have an open competition for right guard, which I think ultimately Daniel Brunskill could fit into. And then now you've got five guys you can play with and you just hope they can stay healthy for the season. And you have, I think, a way better offensive line than you did this year. So I would lock down that position. I would go after Lindsley. Obviously, he's going to cost a boatload. Um, there are some cheaper options on the market, but I, I would start there. What about you? It'd be nice for Brunskill just to have to be able to play one position all season, practice there all off season, and be able to learn and develop. And that just hasn't happened yet. And I don't obviously I'm rooting for him. I want him to do well, but that's not going to happen so long as he's not getting an opportunity to do so. But I do think they have to find a center especially, you know, knowing what Kyle Shanahan values. And there are options. There are definitely options. So Alex Mack is the obvious one that many people talk about. You have Mike Pouncey from the Chargers. He's 32. Those Pouncey's probably going to cost a lot of money. As I mentioned, he's 32. Lindsey's going to cost all of the money, but Lindsey is also worth all of the money. He's really that good. You also have David Andrews, who's kind of a sleeper signing. He plays for the Patriots. And... You know, Austin Blythe from the Rams is a guy that a name that I keep bringing up where he's going to be cheaper. He also has played center and right guard for the Rams. So, you know, he's a scheme fit because, you know, you guys run the same offense, essentially. And he's not going to, you know, break or cost an arm and a leg. I would go Blythe. I would go the cheaper route just because it always comes back to pinching pennies because you want to save that money. You know, and if it's not for Lindsley, if it's for Lindsley play, you have to pay for an all pole player all pro player. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I do feel like if if that's not a, if that's not the route you would like to go, there are some quality options out there. So I'm I'm pretty fascinated to see what they do along the offensive line. And and that'll tell us what they feel about run skill as well this offseason. So moving on, the 49ers in this in the same mold as replacing Richburg, uh D Ford. So edge rusher, they need to find somebody on the edge and, and we've been kind of hammering this home this season where so we're this is under the assumption that Kerry Hyder is gone because I imagine Kerry Hyder is going to make somebody he's going to cost 
a pretty penny this offseason. And I'm not sure that the 49ers would like to pay that pretty penny. So with that in mind, who is going to replace Hyder? Because you have Bosa coming back and you have Armstead. But more than likely, it seems like the 49ers were at their best when Armstead played inside last season. So who is going to come in and replace D Ford? Is that going to be in free agency? Yeah, so there's a couple names I've got written down. Uh, I feel like you're going to hit one of them, Hassan Reddick. So I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to take another guy from the division rival. I'm going to go Leonard Floyd. Uh, Former first-round pick with the Chicago Bears, just for some reason didn't click there. He ends up with the Rams, and he was freaking fantastic last season. And what were his – let me pull up his numbers here. But um, 13 sacks last year. Yeah. Uh, 55 total pressures. He friggin' played in all 16 games. Uh, was a you know had a resurgence uh, in his career. And again, it's one of those things where scheme fit. Uh, I think plug and play player, uh, just like D Ford was. And again, it just comes down to cost, right? And it's one of those things that's difficult for us to analyze from the outside because it's like. Okay, it's it's a moving puzzle, right? Like if you spend here, then you're gonna take a little way away from here. If you spend there, it's a little less there. And so, um, where what do the 49ers typically value? They value like the trenches. So that's why I thought, okay, let's go upgrade at center with Lindsley. Let's go upgrade at edge with Leonard Floyd, and then penny pinch uh, elsewhere. So I went with Floyd. Who'd you go with? So I I had Floyd written down. Obviously, we've spoken about, you know, Hassan Reddick. And there are some names out there like Matt Judon would be amazing for what they need. But they're not he's going to cost like twenty million dollars. So that's yeah, that's not realistic. Um, I, I really don't think that there's a better fit than Leonard Floyd as for what they would like to do. I think Reddick is great. But I think what Floyd did this past season, as far as what the Rams asked him to do, as far as his athleticism, just being disruptive and causing havoc would be as ideal as it gets. So I'm, I'm going to piggyback what you said, and I'm going to stick with Floyd. I think at the same time, though, they should also bring in a guy like Everson Griffin. And I don't probably not like a Bruce Irvin type since he's maybe a little over the hill, but they should sign a veteran pass rusher as well, who is going to be on like a, a one, a one year, $5 million deal where if he hits his numbers, he gets his contract, like that type of deal where, you know, you can roll out on a third down package and you just look scary like you did in 2019. So depth, finding depth. And I feel like a veteran and, you know, maybe whether it could be a draft pick, who knows, but um, they, they have to do something at edge and they have to get more athletic than they were this past season. Uh, defensive tackle. So DJ Jones is probably, I mean, we're just looking at nose tackles. I don't really feel like that's going to move the needle much. So I don't really feel like we have to spend too much time on that. There are options out there, and we've gone over a couple, but your defense isn't changing. Like, there's not a Vita Vey out there. There's not going to be somebody that just completely uh, transforms your run defense. Uh, The 49ers are are good at run defense because they have big hogs up front and because they have Fred Warner (laughs) behind him to run around and make plays. So that is going to continue to make plays. What you mean, Fred Warner's not getting traded to the Texans? For the uh, not yet. Nope, not yet. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, real quick, sidebar. Watson, is is he going to play for the – No. okay. Is he going to be traded before the draft? Let me ask you that. No. Yeah. And usually no. when you ask these things, you always have some underlying reason for asking anything. 
asking me these things? I'm going to say no. And he's not coming to the 49ers. I just don't think he is. Yeah, I just – I don't I don't see a reason for them to trade him. Like he's, he's, in my mind, the second best quarterback in the NFL. You are not going to trade the second best quarterback in the NFL. You are yeah. not going to trade a 25-year-old franchise quarterback. It yeah. sounds great. And I know that he did this on social media and he did that on social media. If I'm in the Texans front office and I see that, okay. <laughs> and that does nothing for me. Like social, I'm not going to change my decision because of what you did on social media. I'm going to do everything I can to, you know, make the relationship better, do this, do that, blah, blah, blah. But because you requested a trade, that's not what's in the best interest for my team. All right. Anyway, back to the 49ers free agency. So we've gone over edge rushers. We've gone over defensive tackles. Um, linebacker, don't have to worry about that. Warner, Greenlaw, and then, I mean, Aziz here is going to be their Sam, I imagine, unless they feel like drafting somebody else. So pretty set at linebacker. The same cannot be said in the secondary. Jimmy Ward and question marks is how the 49ers secondary currently stands. So um, are we assuming that, Jason Verrett is going to be the cornerback here, or what are we going to do? Because they have to, they can't let everybody walk, right? Yeah. So I said, okay, they've got they've got two cornerback spots that are open, and I'm going to assume that Emmanuel Mosley's back. He's restricted free agent, I think. Right. But he didn't start the season, um, and I, and the rest of the spots are just wide open. So let's start with corner, um, and let's go back to a division rival and go chasing. I really like what Darius Williams brought this season. I thought he was feisty. He doesn't really fit the mold of what San Francisco looks for in corners in terms of these like long, tall, lanky guys. But I thought he played fantastic. He's a restricted free agent this season. I can't imagine that the Rams tender him with something higher than like a third round pick. Again, they're maxed out with the salary cap. And I just, I just don't see them trying to pay a corner that much opposite of Jalen Ramsey. So there's a chance they don't even they tender him with something where the Niners could get him for a lot cheaper. So I went with Williams on one side, Verrett on the other side, obviously. And then in the slot, this got me thinking when we talked about this a couple weeks ago on on the pod, Brian Poole from the Jets. And uh really, really good slot corner. I would that would be my secondary if I could pick. What about you? So let me ask you this. You said Rams. And yeah. the Rams tender Darius – hypothetically, the Rams put a second-round tender on Darius Williams. Are you okay with giving the Rams a second-round pick for Darius Williams, who, by the way, top 10 cornerback this year. Like, all I do is watch DBs because yeah. I'm a nerd and have no life. But Darius Williams is very, very good. Like, seriously, I don't think people appreciate how good he was this past season because of the person on the opposite sideline. But that should not take away from – how just impressive he was as a player. So are you okay with parting with a second round pick for Darius Williams? Because you're probably going to draft a cornerback in the second round anyway. Yeah. What, uh, what was the second round tender price last year? It was like 4 million, something like that. Yeah. I, I don't remember off the top of my head. It wasn't more than 5 million though. Okay. What, what did Matt Breida get tendered last year? Three. Uh, he got a, what they was got a third round. No, but I, I know that it was three point two million. That's the only. I remember, thing I, remember. I just can't remember the the round. Okay, let's let's assume it's it's three point three million dollars or whatever. If it was a third round tender, I'd have you know no brainer. You give up that pick. If right. the second round is tough, especially with where the 49ers are drafting, right? You'd be giving up pick forty three. 
Yeah, man. That, that hurts more. But th- that's my thing. I don't know if the, if the Rams can afford to tender him with that high of a price. True. So that, that was my argument in terms of, okay, you can go after this guy. Um, there were some other names. I just thought they would be more expensive. I know you brought up William Jackson in the past. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I just really, really liked what Williams brought this season and think he would. And obviously, whenever you can weaken a division rival, that also sweetens the pot. But yes, that, that was my theory. So I, that's a good way of going outside the box. I didn't, I didn't even think about the restricted free agents, you know, from a cornerback standpoint, but you're not going to find a better cornerback than Williams available. So honestly, even if it's a second round pick, I don't know that you'd find a cornerback that would be, be, that would be able to contribute in the way that Williams would be right away at that price. Like that is a really good price. You can extend him obviously because you know that he, what he's capable of. So it's tough to find a better one than Williams. I do like Jackson a lot. I know you just um, said he's terrible, but he, he is. <laughs> no, he's he's a good player. He's not. I don't want to paint the picture that he is this superstar player, but he is a good player. But you know, it would be nice to just bring Jason Brett back and, and have another investment, maybe in the second round. And because we, as we talked about last week, it's been two decades since they've used a first or second round pick on a cornerback. Uh, but at the same time, a veteran secondary would just make you feel more comfortable as a play caller. So in the slot, maybe a guy like Mackenzie Alexander, who's just a, known for a tough and gritty because that's what slot cornerbacks are. Uh, so I'll go Mackenzie Alexander and I will stick with William Jackson, even though I, I don't mind the idea of giving Xavier Rhodes a shot. But more than likely, I would I would probably lean with drafting a cornerback in the second round and bringing Jason Brett back. But you do have to find somebody in the slot as well. So um, that's not it, though, because Jacoski Tart is a free agent. And who knows if the 49ers feel like Tarverius Moore can start moving forward. So do they bring in a safety on, you know, with one of their later round picks? Is there going to be a safety that moves the needle enough where they feel like you know, again, they're, you're going to get into a bidding war because these safeties, there are some good ones available, but they're going to cost you some money. Is there anybody out there that you'd like that the 49ers could afford and it would be an upgrade? Yeah, just before we hit hit the safety. So back to the corner discussion, and you mentioned taking a corner in the second round. Would you draft a corner in the second round, obviously cheaper under contract, or second round tender Darius Williams and give the Rams that second round pick and obviously you pay him more, but you know he's good. Yeah, that's man, that is brutal. That's really tough because I I have names in my head who I think will be good, but I see Darius Williams playing the NFL and I know he's good. So because of that, I'm going to go with Darius Williams and I'm going to assume that the Rams are stupid enough to use another second round pick on a running back and they're (laughs) going to blow it. So I'm going to take the sure thing and let Les Snead, who has proven that he doesn't know what he's doing, um, blow it with that second round pick I'm giving him. I, I mean, it goes back to just overvaluing draft picks. A known commodity who like legit played at an all pro level this season. So I, I, my mind is blown because I, I just didn't look into him being a restrictive agent. That should be all in. Go, go uh, get Darius Williams. But as far as uh, safety goes, let's get back to that. 
The Rams have a safety and they have a very good safety. And he was a big reason why the Rams were one of the best secondaries in the NFL. Um, do you, who's your safety? Okay. I'm going to go outside the box again. I really, really liked the Tarverius Moore, um, Jimmy Ward combination and Tarverius Moore. It felt like he had growing pains this season, whether it was missed assignments or just whatever the case is. And I'm, I think I'm just going to attribute that to the, you know, his lack of playing time. And just needing more time in the system. So I would just go back with those two and maybe draft someone later uh, to provide competition. I wouldn't allocate, um, you know, salary cap space and free agency to a safety because you've got, you've got guys that are capable and I'd rather just spend that money elsewhere. So that, that was my thinking. Um, you got a name in mind? I mean, there are safeties available that would be clear upgrades from Tarverius Moore. But be. to be fair to Tarverius Moore, think about how he hasn't had a chance to develop as a player. Yeah. He started 13 games in three seasons, and those have not all came at safety. So it's kind of naive to think that he's done growing. Yes, he has missed a lot of tackles, but I, I think just having his speed on the field makes them so much more dangerous. So I am all for rolling into the season with Tarverius Moore as a starter because – you cannot have an all pro at every position. Like that's just not how this game works. You're going to have to pick and choose your spots. Assuming that the pass rush is going to be at the, a better level than it was this season, knowing that you're, you're investing in a cornerback, two of them more than likely, probably even three. Tarverius Moore, like he's, if he's your worst DB, I'll put it like this. If Tarverius Moore is your worst DB, you're in good hands. That is not an issue. You can win with Tarverius Moore as we've seen, as we've saw. Like he played very well in a few games down the stretch too. So um, there's going to be growing pains, but he's a young player who hasn't started very much. So that doesn't really bother me. And I, I think we overrate missed tackles. Yes, he had some critical missed tackles that, you know, lead to bigger gains. But I just feel like the more he plays – the better he's going to get. So I, I'm cool with rolling with more. Yeah. So with, with a tight salary cap, you're going to have to penny pitch somewhere. It's impossible, like you said, to have all pro, pro bowl level level players at every position. So I would penny pinch at safety because you've got guys in-house under contract that are athletic and you can develop. So, um, you know, the new secondary coach, Corey Unlin, hey, go develop this guy and, and make him better. So that's how I'd roll. Um, and, and I'm curious to see how our predictions turn out. Cause I feel like a lot of people are throwing around the same names and, and um, the Niners typically have been big spenders in free agency, whether it was Western Richburg or Quan Alexander, they've come out the gate and they've just gone after guys that they really wanted. And I'm curious if they do that again this year, knowing kind of where they're at in terms of their roster. One free agent out of everyone we just named that you want the 49ers to sign, who would that be? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, if, if I only got one player that I'm like, yo, go get this guy. I would say Leonard Floyd. I think we saw what this pass rush did in 2019. We saw how lethal they were. It's hard to expect Nick Bosa to come hit the ground running. And like you mentioned, I thought Floyd played really, really well for the Rams and Rams. You look at their list of free agents, they had a ton of talent on that defense. Yes. And, yes, Staley was a good coach and a good coordinator, but, man, I mean, John Johnson, Darius Williams, Troy Hill, Leonard Floyd, Morgan Fox, like 
their entire defense is like up for free agency, and I don't know how they're going to bring anyone back. But yeah, I'd go Leonard Floyd. Who'd you who'd you go get? Well, since I thought of him first, Darius Williams would be my answer. <laughs> um, I think that I don't think people are aware that he played in the slot as well. So you can do yeah. multiple things with this guy. It's my mind is still blown that he's available. So I will go either Darius Williams, and I love Leonard. Like they would be unreal if they got Leonard Floyd because what I, I, I don't know what his like PFF grade is because that's what people are going to recognize him by but he's just a really really good player but on the other side of the ball you have to get a center so whether that's Alex Mack whether that is sure go get Corey Lindsley why not get a center get an edge rusher get Darius Williams get Curtis Samuel get all of these guys, all these guys. is my answer because realistically you you can get creative and we've seen teams do it time and time again, where you can just manipulate the heck out of the salary cap. So, um, But if I had to pick one, it, it would be Darius Williams because I, I think that they just have to stop sleeping on cornerback, man. Um, they The reason that they were in the Super Bowl is because they had outstanding cornerback play down the stretch. And that's not the only reason, but they were able to take away everything that teams did. And that was because they had a strong, strong secondary. So build that secondary back up and you will – more than likely be back into the playoffs. That should do it for us. Akash, is there anything else you want to talk about? We talked about pretty much everything imaginable. Yeah, just one last point. So actually the 49ers have the most cap space of any team in the NFC West, which is a shocker considering I feel like we talk about them like they've got no cap space. It's a low bar, by the way. <laughs> it's a low bar. Rams are in like the the super negative, and then the Seahawks and, Ram, uh, the Seahawks and Cardinals aren't that far behind. Um, and we also talk about how the 49ers have the worst quarterback in the division. It's okay to say that, but I think they have the chance to assemble the most complete roster in free agency in the draft, given how many draft picks they have, given what they can do in free agency. They may still go into the season with the worst quarterback, but they may have talent at all the other positions. And I think they have the best coach so they can certainly compete. So the the next few months are going to be like super vital for this team to be able to hit on all these different moves to give them a good chance going into next year. Last question. Do the 49ers restructure Jimmy Garoppolo's contract this offseason? Oh, man, we talked about this over text, I think. It's such a tough decision because if you restructure his contract, he's basically locked in. Now you've shut yourself off from some moves that you know may not have later on in the offseason, like a Sam Darnold or maybe a Matt Ryan or something like that, right? You may you may close the door to that. But if you don't restructure him, now you don't have that salary cap space to go spend in free agency. It's an extremely tough decision to make, right? I don't know. I don't think they restructured. I think he stays at his current price and they try to make moves around him because they're going to try to move him. So I'm going to say no. What about you? No, I agree with you for everything you just said, just because – as soon as you do that, that's it. There's no turning back, yep. and now you're handcuffed. So while it's wise to create cap space because you will need that cap space, especially with March and free agency coming up, there's a reason that they haven't done that is because that they're looking. So I, I don't think so. And that doesn't mean because they're looking, as we know, that doesn't mean they're going to be committed to moving on, and that doesn't mean that he will not be the starter but there is a reason that it hasn't happened yet. And, and while John Lynch said we we haven't needed the money, 
Um, I, I just That's don't why. see, yeah, just, <laughs> thanks, John. <laughs> I just don't see that. I just don't see a restructure happening. So that'll do it. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode 25 of the Shanahan, Shanna Plan. Please rate, subscribe, review, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Thank you. Follow me on Twitter, KP underscore show, Akash, and yourself. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. Once again, we do appreciate you listening. Uh, tweet at us, and, you know, we we love to respond. So appreciate you guys. Subscribe, rate, and review. Shanna Plan Podcast, and go Niners.